At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one, with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non toxic, non flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. All right, guys, the True Tech Tools Minute. We got another NAVAC tool on sale. It's the NAVAC NRC62i refrigerant charging machine. Now, it's on sale for just over a thousand bucks, down from 1400. Now, this is a very unique product. It actually charges the refrigerant into the machine for you, but before it does that, it evacuates the system, brings it down to a preset level, it checks for dryness. Once it feels the conditions are correct, guess what? It starts going through the charging process. All right, it might be something you guys want to look into. Pretty cool tool. Now, you can receive 8% off that tool using promo code KNOWITALL, K-N-O-W-I-T-A-L-L, at checkout at truetechtools.com. If you guys want to save on Testo stuff, you guys got to go to my website, hvacknowitall.com, click on the True Tech Tools logo, fill out the form, or I'll drop a link in the podcast notes for you to do so as well. What's up, guys? I'm uh, doing the intro of this podcast from the roof. Sometimes it's hard to get down into the truck, put the headset on, and do my intros and outros and all that when I'm busy. Um, I'm on the roof and I'm testing out a new tool. It's top secret though. Shh. Can't reveal any information at the moment, but when it comes out, I'm going to promise you guys this tool is completely badass. I love the thing. I know you guys are going to love it. So on the podcast today, guys, we have a great guest, Mike Clark. If you guys are on Instagram, um, you will know Mike Clark because he posts a lot of his tools on there. He makes some pretty cool little one-minute videos of the of his day and his jobs, and he puts them up there for everybody to check out. So Mike is coming up on the podcast, guys. He gives me a good laugh when he tells one of the stories about a tech he used to work with. So you guys listen up. This is the HVAC Know-It-All Podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Last week on the podcast, I'd mentioned that the uh, Testo 440, it actually can uh, do this mold indication test. There's a, there's a menu in the, in the tool for that. But I recently found out that um, you can do this with the Smart Probes app and two Smart Probes as well. The 605i, the digital hygrometer, and the 805i laser. And in the Smart Probes app, there's a mold indication uh, menu in there as well. Just be cautious, though. I, I had this advice given to me. The word mold will scare people. And HVAC technicians are not generally um, experienced enough to diagnose a mold issue. All right. So if you're going to do this test, what I would advise you to do is inform the customer there may be a a presence of moisture or potential presence of moisture behind the wall. Don't say the word mold. Uh, because it could scare people. But the 805i and 605i in conjunction with the Smart Probes app will allow you to check for this. Okay, so check that out. Uh, Yellow Jacket, I was just online um, this morning and I posted 
a set of compound gauges that they have to offer. It's for CO2. Now we all know, or maybe we, we don't all know, but CO2 runs at a very high pressure. And these gauges are specifically designed for CO2. They're on their, their webpage. If you go to yellowjacket.com, you can type in CO2 gauges and it will pop up. You can read about them. If you're into CO2, if you work on that stuff, it might be worth checking out. Now, um, refrigeration technologies, they're going to be like every other uh, big name in the industry. They're going to be in Atlanta at the uh, at the show, at the big show. Okay. Now, they have a, a bit of a promo that they're going to be running at the show. And if you guys stop by their booth, I believe it's B4417. Okay. They're going to be running raffles daily at 1 p.m. So go by there and get your tickets for the raffle because I'm sure they got some cool prizes and giveaways for you guys. Field Pulse, guys, as always, their free trial of Field Pulse is there for you guys to try 14 days for free and their free app simply send for estimating and invoicing totally free all day, every day. And off the top, you guys heard it, Smart Seal. Cool Air products. Now, I received a picture online or through email a couple of days ago of Smart Seal external being used on a copper end bend on a coil. And it was wrapped neatly around the end bend. Maybe there was a hole drilled into it by accident. I'm not really sure what the cause of the leak was, but all I know is I got this picture and the fact uh, the external, it was wrapped around nice and neat. Looks like a really good job they did on it and it, and it worked. In this application so i'm receiving feedback from guys out in the field that they're using external and it's working on their jobs i actually gave a role to a co-worker he was working on a little um, reefer unit and the service valve on the body okay it had a pinhole leak and he sent me a picture of it now he wasn't able to get that valve right there and then that day so he took some smart seal he was going to wrap it around. He's going to give me some feedback. He's going to wrap it around um, this valve, pack it nice and neat as he can, pinch it down, make sure the, the valve is nice and clean. And he's going to try to get this leak all sealed up with the external for now until he can get the part on order and, and get it changed out. What's up, guys? Uh, Mr. Mike Clark um, is on the podcast, and he is – Raring to go, I can sense his energy right now. Mike, how are you doing tonight, man? <laughs> I'm doing excellent, Gary. I'm, uh, I'm, What's going I'm, on, brother? Oh, hey, man, listen. Like I told you uh, a few minutes ago, I just finished up in the shower with a beer in my hand. Uh, one of the best things ever. And I don't know, I don't know if you've seen me post before, but sometimes I like to take baths too. A lot of guys think that's girly, but hey, listen, after a long hard week out in the cold a good warm bath will will just warm your bones right back up so i'm not ashamed to say hell it no, so hell no brother i just bath all the time yeah my bones are aching i have 30 years in this field my knees are killing me my back hurts my arms i just grew embarrassed but when i get home sometimes i don't want to take a shower i get into the bath and i might spend an hour in there Oh yeah, Relaxing. yeah. No kidding, man. Hey, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm right with you. So, so Mike, you're. The one thing about um, this field. Yeah, go on. Go, ahead. go on. I'm sorry. No, it's okay, man. Go on. This, primarily, I do, uh, I do service work. I do finesse work. But over, over years and years and years, climbing ladders, 
picking up refrigerant drums, right? Just doing it, it just wears on your body. And eventually, uh, your knees start to hurt, your back hurts. Everything and, hurts, uh, man. Every, everything hurts. Yeah. My, um, like, I've been in the, so you've been in the trade for 30 years. And if you don't mind me asking, how old are you now, Mike? I'm 52 years old. I'm in the twilight of my career. Well, you're in, uh, in your prime. Oh, I'm probably, <laughs> probably past my prime. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm turning 40 in like, uh, what's the date today? The 10th. I'm turning 40 in 11 days. So it, we're, we're kind of, you, you and I are kind of falling because once I get to 52, I'll be in the trade for about 30 years as well. So we kind of maybe started around the same age. So I, man, I, I've been, I have, I've been feeling it for a few I, years. I'll tell you that. It, it, that's the whole thing. Uh, this trade really does weigh you down. It's uh, just the repetitive nature of doing things over and over again. Um, tomorrow uh, it's going to be my anniversary at work. 29 years for working for the same company. Wow, congratulations. I started in 1985 um, in trade school. I got my first job in 1986. And the way I got my job is kind of funny. Uh, well, after I got out of trade school, I couldn't find anything. And I got my driver's license late when I was uh, 20 years old. Um, so I, was, I stopped looking for a while. And my dad got out on my case. And he's actually the one who found an advertisement in the paper. So it was about uh, late October of uh, 1986. I called up, I got an interview, and I went down, and um, I was overdressed. I was wearing a, a blazer, I was wearing a, a tie and khakis and shoes. And I went, into, I went into their office, and they were watching the baseball game. It was during the 1986 playoffs, Mets versus Houston. And it was a day game, and it was going into extra innings. And we spent a greater part of the, of the interview just watching the game and talking about the talking about the game. I think I got the job because I'm a Mets fan. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, so you're you're um, you're right in the the Manhattan area, are you not? Is that where yes, you work out of? Yeah, because I've seen some of your videos and, and, and pictures. Yeah, yeah. Most of the time, I'm working in the five boroughs. All I work is primarily downtown, midtown. I'll go up to uh, I'll go uptown to Harlem and Washington Heights. Um, my house live from my house to the city is 22 miles. It takes two hours. That's how bad traffic is in New York City. Wow. Getting to Manhattan and two hours to get back. That's crazy. So a lot of times on the way home, I'm actually listening to you. Well, that's awesome. So now, 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 when you're when you're driving to work tomorrow, or maybe not tomorrow, but in a couple of days, you can listen to yourself on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, listen, uh, you, you were you were saying to me, um, you're comparing your apprenticeship um, to mine a little bit because I've talked about how I had a a pretty rough go as an apprentice, and and you were saying that you kind of did too. So, t- tell us a little bit about your apprenticeship and and how you had a bit of a rough go there. My, my first year was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. Well, the first thing you get when you get into the trade 
uh, you're working with men now, not working with uh, teenagers like you did. Let's say you're working at a supermarket or, or um, at a department store or anything like that. You're working with grown men. And the thing about my job was, or when I first started working, was there was a lot of alcoholics in the field. Actually, there was a lot of alcoholics throughout the trade in New York City. And uh, a couple, a lot of times, uh, they would stop work and we would go to the bar. I never had a drink on work, at work, any time in my life. But we would sit there and and let's say we stop work at 12 o'clock. The next half hour, uh, next four hours, uh, he, um, the mechanic would just be in the car getting drunk. <clears throat> You know, I was going to say that kind of um, it kind of relates to the times back then, because I know that when I was in trade school, my teacher for advanced refrigeration, he was probably in his mid 50s at the time. And this is about this is Pat over 10 years ago. So he's got to be in his mid 60s now. And he would say the same thing that when he was younger in the trade, they would go to the bar at lunch and they down two, three beers and they'd go back to work. So, I mean, this sounds consistent with that time period. You know what I mean? Oh, it was many a time uh, we would stop work and the mechanic would say, Hey, what's on for the day? Go to his car. He go to his truck. He gave me some money. He says, give me two tall boys. And all day, <laughs> and the rest of the day, I'm running back, uh, back and forth, uh, getting them, uh, getting them beer. Wow. One guy, one guy, you get into his truck, it would smell like uh, air freshener and urine. All these guys, <laughs> well, this particular guy, I swear to God, he had, but he, he had, you know, after you drink a couple of beers, you have to go to the bathroom, right? When you're on your way home, you have something called a piss bucket. Yeah. It was I've a heard. coffee can. <laughs> you're laughing. But the thing is, he got so drunk, he would knock it over. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you wouldn't clean it up after then? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> he would, no, he would clean it up, but the smell would never go away. Wow, hiding, Jesus Christ! Uh, with air freshener. So this was this was yeah, one of was, this was, was one of the guys that was training you, right? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Indeed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So was he a good uh, mechanic? He, at least did he actually teach you anything no. in, in the field? He was, um, he was a very good rigger, actually. He was, uh, he was about six foot two, about three hundred and fifty pounds. When I met him, he was about fifty-seven, about fifty-seven years old, right? And he had, and he had the tiniest voice ever. And, uh, he's, <laughs> yeah, I, and I heard, he, I heard you imitating the high-pitched voice, so, so I was, yeah, <laughs> I was wondering uh, it. Yeah, yeah, and and, he had, and his nickname was Smokey. Because he used to smoke like six packs of a beer a day. I mean, six packs of cigarettes a day. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, and I, I thought that guy would die super early, right? Um, I called him up years and years ago later, right? And he was about 78 years old. I couldn't believe he made it. Wow. He was a big dude. Yeah. That's nuts, man. So I was, I was going to say, um, 
So this guy, this guy here, he had this little tiny voice, big guy, and <laughs> his van stunk like urine. Was there anybody like was was the whole company like this, or was it just this guy? This guy, no, there was there was there's two guys who were drunk. Okay. Uh, one guy was there was uh there was Smokey, right, and uh, there was another guy that was uh. Um, about 35, 36, was a big, uh, big drinker. But the thing is, Smokey, right? Although he got drunk, right? He was a very nice guy. He was a happy drunk. The other drunk, the other guy, right? Named, uh, named Bill T, right? Great day, great guy, right? Sober. As he got drunker and drunker, he just turned into an asshole. Yeah, sometimes that happens. Oh. He started calling me names, right? He had a great name for me. He kept, kept on calling me Dennis Menace. I just hated working with the guy. But you're forced to work. You don't have no choice. You have to go where you're sent. Yeah, and uh, you, you know what? I, I always preach that um, you can work with a great mechanic, great technician, and learn a lot from them. But you can also learn from the shittiest, um, meanest, ugliest type of technician in the world because you can see what not to do and how not to treat people right and and i can tell that you kind of you probably learned that way from this guy right not not to treat people that way as as you became a, a mechanic and had apprentices under you i, I can feel that no i would no? never oh. never i said to myself never 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 wait to like that. oh okay okay cool <laughs> i was i know i i consider myself a great mentor well, that's good. That's awesome. I've I've I seen have, I've seen videos that you do on Instagram, and you have uh, I've seen at times you have a young kid with you. Is that your apprentice, or is that like your son, or like yes. who is that? Yeah. No, no, no. That is my that is my apprentice. Mike. Oh, okay. He's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful kid, right? Um, his father actually is a chief engineer in one of the buildings, right? Um, and I guess my boss did did a favor and uh, and hired him. Right, and uh, Mike was Mike was uh, six or seven months with us, uh, but uh, he just uh, quit just recently. I guess it just wasn't for him. That sucks. Uh, it, it was, and, and the thing is, he was he, he was catching on. He was very good mechanically. Yeah, that, that's too bad. But uh, he's one of the nice, but he was the nicest kid ever, and he, he was smart. He was very good with tools. That's another thing. Uh, when I first got into trade, right, I all I did, you know, prior to that was play sports, play basketball, play baseball, right. I was horrible with tools. I had no muscle memory. I had no, I had no finesse. And I, I thought to myself every day that I got home, I said, I'm not going to make it. I'm just not going to make it. I felt that I was. Uh, that I was failing every single day. And, but the good thing is when you do something over and over and over again, eventually uh, you start to get better. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And, and I'm right there with you, man, because when, when I started, I had never, I had never picked up a wrench in my life before I started in this industry. Um, you, you know, and, and it was, 
I was always book smart at school. Like I always got good grades and stuff like that. And I always understood the theory behind things. But when you get thrown out into the field, it's a totally different animal. And like you said, you're not working with kids anymore. You're working with men. And when you're working with men, you have to perform. And when you're not performing and you get shit on, you feel like an idiot. And I came home many times very, very upset with myself thinking this, I'm never going to make it in this trade. And then one day, I don't know what it was, but I walked into the office and my boss was the dispatcher at the time. And and I felt this very uneasy feeling like, you know what, maybe I'm going to get fired today. I just felt it. And then he looked at me and I looked at him and I said to him, I said, listen, I said, I have not been given the chance to prove myself yet. And he's like, well, what do you mean by that? I go, well, I'm always just following a guy around holding his tool bag or going to pick stuff up or dropping stuff off. You have not given me a chance to prove myself. And I stood up for myself and I was very adamant about this. And he looked at me and he says, you know what? You're right. And that day, I don't remember what had happened, but I started getting little jobs here and there. And I started uh, going to these jobs and doing them myself. And I fucked up a a lot of them, but I tried and I learned from every single one. Um, But it took, it took time. It took a lot of time. So anybody that's listening, that's in that position, they're down on themselves. Like you were, like I was just keep moving through uh, and you'll finally get there, but you got to believe in yourself. That's, that's the main thing. Oh my right. God. It, uh, same thing happened to me within about the first, about four, about the first five, after five months, I was called into the office. Right. And my boss just ripped me. Right. And I was written up and I left like, yeah, ever see that. Uh, ever see Fred Flintstone when he talks to Mr. Slate, he comes in and all of a sudden, and he's getting yelled at and gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So I must have walked out like walked out of the office like I was two inches tall. <laughs> oh, and I, and I already had a self-esteem problem. I felt so small. I felt I felt horrible. And and I turned the corner right after that. I started getting up earlier. I start. I I I was motivated. I was I I was, I was watching the, the mechanics, anticipating what they were doing. I was and I started taking it upon myself to read more. And things started clicking. I was still still changing filters and and holding holding the guy's tools, but I was asking questions at the time. And I dealt and I and if I had to deal with the, the drunk guys, I didn't say anything. I just kept my mouth shut and just did what, I, did what I had to do. Yeah. Eventually what happened was my my boss ended up buying another company. And and I got thrown into that next company, which is uh which is the company that I'm at now. And that company was set up completely different from uh from Melt uh, Service, which I was working for. And I'm working for now for Clinton Finer uh, service. And the boss over there was a very was uh, the service manager over there was a very young guy. He's only like 29 years old, and he's my boss. And he's now part owner of the company right now. 
And it was amazing. It was like a weight that was lifted off my back. Like I was free. Don't get me wrong. When I was sent out, after, usually after your, sec, after your second year, you're sent out, right? Your first year, you're, you're just running. You're changing filters. You're hanging out with the mechanic. I didn't even have a truck at the time. I was taking the subways back and forth. The second year, you get your truck. Uh, you're driving around. You have a power washer. You're doing condenser coil cleans. You're a second man on installs or uh, compressor changes. And then your third year, you're, you're sent out. You're a junior guy, right? And you're hitting service calls. Yep. And, you know, let's say you're on a water leak or if they're really overwhelming, well, that says you're on a that says you're on a service call, my boss would just say, go over there, see what you can do, right? If you get lost, get lost, give me a call, and I'll walk you through. A lot of times, unfortunately, he was, he was, he was busy, and I was, on the, I was on by myself, and I blew shit up. Yeah, we've all done it, man. I've, I don't know how many things I've blown up. <laughs> oh, my God. Right? You ever um, see that? I remember when I first wired, uh, learned to wire a uh, permanent split capacitor. I was on a roof probably till about, um, geez, six or seven o'clock at night, to, and I was putting in this one condenser fan motor. And the electrician from the uh, the building, he would come up. He's like, "You need help," and he was looking at the diagram and he couldn't figure it out. And it was this big fiasco. It was over amping and I'm like, what the hell am I going to do here? Like, and then I'm like, I said to my boss, I said the dumbest thing ever, but I didn't know it was the dumbest thing ever. I thought it was brilliant. Um, I'm like, why don't I cut um, the blade of the condenser fan, like an inch off each blade. There's like three blades on the fan <laughs> and, and I, it, it'll, 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 it'll move less air. It'll, the amp draw will be less. And he's like, he's like, basically, are you, are, are you an idiot? And I'm like, well, well, why? What's wrong with that? He's like, well, he explained to me. He's like, well, now the, the blade's going to be off balance because you're not going to cut it exact on each. You know what I mean? And, and, and this, right, was, right. This, this was my idea. And that day, I learned how to wire a permanent split capacitor motor. And I will never, ever forget because I was on the goddamn roof. You know, I, I think I started that day at 738 o'clock to go to that service call. And I think I was, it was like a 12 hour day for this goddamn one condenser fan motor. I don't know if, if my boss invoiced the customer for the whole bill. I, I, I don't know if he did. I don't imagine he would have because that's kind of ridiculous to bill a customer 12 hours for a condenser fan motor. But that's, that's my day. And that's, I learned it that day and I, I never forgot. And that's the kind of shit that apprentices go through in this trade. That's hilarious because that, something similar happened to me. Well, I, I got a motor. I got a motor. I think it was. You know how you got a motor and, and you're taking it out and and it's it's different. You got a three wire and before it was a four wire. Yep. Right. Exactly. Yep. And I couldn't. I I just couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. And and I spent hours and hours. And I did one sm and the one smart thing I did. I didn't want to tell my boss. Right. I spent so many hours. And I just couldn't do it. I called up. I bought this at Castellano uh, uh, Motors uh, uh, Motor Shop, 
and there's a couple of videos on it of the motor shop. It's still there, right? And I I got a hold of one of, one of the counter guys, and I said, "What am I doing wrong?" And he walked me through the whole thing. That's awesome. Have you ever? Another thing I did. I remember I could have a condensed fan motor. I come back with the condensed fan motor, right? I got the condensed fan motor. I got the capacitor, right? I take off the take the old motor out, right? I didn't get a fan blade, right? And I I had I couldn't get that fan blade off for anything. WD forty it it just wouldn't budge, right? So I had to call the office and tell them what was going on. My boss said. My boss was kind of laughing. He said, all right, just go out and get a fan blade. Next time, get get everything. So for me, when I pull off fan blades, I usually use, and I'm pretty sure you probably have it now, is the, uh, the, like a hub puller with the bolt through the body, and then you fasten the the hub puller to the the hub of the, the condenser fan. And then you, yes, I, you, yeah, you got one of those now, right? Yeah, yeah. I got the, I got one of those, and for some reason I went to use it just a while back. Some, I don't know how the the, the screw got warped or something. It just won't go down anymore. I got to replace it. Yeah, I I had um, one brand. I'm not going to name it. The the threads are a little bit too fine on it, and if you're pulling something that's very very difficult, like it's it's seized on there nice. Um, it, it, it wouldn't do anything. It would, so I had to chuck it. I have a, a, a yellow jacket one now. It's, it's, it's so good. Like it's got four bolts that hold it down. The, the, uh, the main bolt that goes through the body, the center is very, very coarse. Um, so, um, it does a really good right. job at, at, at removing fan blades. But I remember that I was at, I was at a, uh, a supply house, right. And, and I walked out and these two guys, they look like fly by night. I don't even know if they were HVAC guys, but they were in there doing a, an HVAC repair on someone's unit, obviously, because they went in there to buy a motor and they're outside trying to take this fan blade off. And these guys were older guys too. They were, they weren't young dudes they were like in their twenties or anything. These guys were in like in their fifties and they're like, they were hammering this thing and, and they were out there for a good half an hour and I came out and they're still hammering away. I'm like, guys, you guys want to borrow my puller? They're like, what's that like what's a puller and i'm like i showed it to them i'm like this is how you use it and they was off in like 30 seconds this with the puller and they were just like oh my god you're the lifesaver i'm like guys go in there and buy yourself one i don't know what you're doing (laughs) like are you guys in the trade like i don't remember the full extent of the conversation but it just baffled my mind that these two guys were sitting there with this little um half horsepower condenser fan motor trying to get the blade off for for half an hour like <laughs> anyway um so oh, that's Mike, a great story on on the phone just before we started the recording you were you were saying um about all the tools that you have and the tool that's most important to you is what i think i have if you ever saw my page i have tons of uh, tons of gauges i have i have five different uh, let's see one two three four digital gauges i have uh eight meters, right? And I figured the thing I used the most were the tools on my hands. That's right. On my senses. Yeah. H- HVAC you know, six sense. It's like, when, it's funny. I watch, I watch a lot of YouTube videos, right? And 
I I listened to your I listened to your podcast, and I said, wow, right? I I felt like I said, wow, I, I do a lot of things differently than uh, than the other mechanics do. I felt like I was a hack until I heard your podcast, um, and it's probably the, the podcast that motivated me to send in uh, to recommend you for the. For, uh, the, uh, top forty, under forty. And and Mike, and I was I was gonna get yeah I was gonna get to that man, and it, so you got to it first, and I gotta I gotta bow down to you for that because that was uh, that was solid gold on your part to do that for me. No problem. Listen, I was thinking about I was thinking about you. I was thinking about AC service um, AC service tech on on YouTube who does a lot a lot of videos, a lot of instructional videos. Uh, I give him kudos for doing it. Um, but when I saw when I saw that video, I said, "This is this is great." Because this, you you don't understand. Your 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 hands, your ears, your eyes, right? They're they're tools. Yep. They're tools. How many times have you gone up to a, a, a gone up to a, you see the cycle that's uh, the cycle that's flashing? You pull out a filter in the return. You see that 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 this ice on the expansion valve, ice on the expansion valve, and you're walking away, knowing that you have to get your electronic leak detector, and uh, and, and maybe some refrigerant if you're going to bump it, if you're going to top it off. Yeah. You put your hands on a liquid line. If it's hot, you're thinking maybe you have a dirty condenser. If you feel that it's cold, that it's cold, right? Maybe uh, maybe I'm overcharged. I'll give you a great story. When I first when I first started, there was a great mechanic that I was working with. Uh, and his name was Derek Forrester. We go on a service call for a water cooled package unit, right? The first thing he does was he touches touches the condenser oil line. I didn't think much of it. You know, I have his tools. I'm setting up his drop light. He says, "Kid, leave the drop light. Grab my tools. We're going up to the roof. We go up to the roof. Towel belts off." He felt that he felt that condenser oil line coming in. Felt it was uh, scorching hot. That that sent him off off onto the roof to look, to look at the cooling tower. When I saw when when I saw him do that, I said, "This guy is God." <laughs> yeah. he, it was Gary. It was within five seconds. We were in there for five seconds and we were moving. He didn't put a tool. He didn't put his gauges on. He didn't. He didn't touch a tool. I was amazed. I said, I can never be like that. Now it's 30 years later, right? Yeah. And and you learn. You you learn to you learn through touch and, 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 and trial and error. And you get to know how the system works. So I'm I'm gonna I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something here. This is how this is how I was brought up in the trade, just just like that. I, I worked with a lot of very very smart technicians, and that's what they would do. They would feel stuff, they would listen, they would they would um, they would look, they would smell, and they would make a lot of diagnoses or diagnoses <laughs> without without even putting gauges or anything onto a machine, and then they would go on and make repairs, and and I thought this is just the way you do things, and I. And, and I, I was taught at, at a young age by an instructor, the palm of your hand is 93 degrees, okay, uh, Fahrenheit. So 
You touch a pipe that's 93 degrees, it's going to be no different than the temperature of your hand. You touch a pipe that's colder than your hand, it's obviously colder than 93 degrees. If it's warmer than 93, it's going to be warmer than your hand. So I started gauging things with my hand. So now I can put my gauges onto a machine without temperature clamps, feel the suction line, feel the, the liquid line, and know what my subcooling and superheat is down to a, like, not exactly, but I have an idea of what it is. And because this is how I was taught to do things. Like, I, I, I came up with guys that didn't use micron gauges for, for evacuation, never. Okay, but there was never Thank an issue. There was never an issue afterwards um, with with the machine, and and I don't know if that's just because we let it run for an hour and a half while we while we we cleaned up or went for lunch or whatever. Okay. I don't I, I I don't know what it was, but nowadays I do put a micron gauge on because now I can see the difference. Because okay, I went for lunch for an hour and a half and cleaned up and left my vacuum pump running for an hour and a half. Cool, I'm probably good, but now, when I put my vacuum gauge on a system or my micron gauge on a system, pull the Schraders, put larger hoses on, I can see that sometimes my vacuum is done in 10 minutes and I don't even have to wait the hour and a half. But before, we never used to do it like that. So it's incredible the difference between the way I used to do it and the way I do it now and all the different changes that I've made through my career. So I'm, I'm kind of in the middle, right? There, there's, there's, uh, there's great... There was a great education I had from this old school way, and there's a great education I had from this new school way, and I'm putting it all together into kind of my own method. You know what I mean? Exactly. One of the best mechanics I've ever worked with, right? Never used the micron gauge, right? Never charged by uh, subcooling or superheat. Um, blue, blue coils with, uh, with refrigerants. <laughs> That's how it was. Yeah. You left. Well, this is this is pre, this is pre nineteen ninety two when the EPA laws came uh, came in, right? When I first started, I had it. My meter was analog. My thermometer had an arrow on it. I had I had I didn't have a phone. I had a beeper and one eight hundred number. Yeah. Now, now listen to that. I had a beeper and one eight hundred number, right? If I got paged, I had to find a pay phone. I called. I called. I would call the office. Now imagine going to a supply house and you have a list of things that your mechan that the mechanic or technician had given you, and some of those of uh, those uh, items are not on uh, on the list. You have to use the phone in the supply house, call the office. The office pages the mechanic. He uses the the customer's phone, calls the office, and they two way out together. That's yeah. how it was. Yeah, I know. I I, I know. I, I... Just when I first started with the company I'm with now, they just went to the two-way mic system, and and we had communication. But like right before that, a few months before that, it was just pagers, like you said. And and there's stories of guys that I worked with on the side of the road stopping and looking for phone booths to get in a phone booth and call the office because the office would page them nine one one. Obviously, there's an emergency service call or whatever. <laughs> they're they're at the side of the road looking for phone booths. <laughs> you know what I mean? My, now here's the thing. My beeper didn't even have a. My first beeper was just it beeped and you called the office. That was yeah. the only office. It didn't have didn't have a screen. They got uh, on okay. got the beepers with the screen. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna give you brazen. Right. Brazen. When we first started, first time I got night night scene was 1992. 
I saw, I told you I saw it in, in mid eighties, right? So what did I do for five years? I braved out nitrogen. I was never told, I was never told to do it any other way. Even in my, even at trade school, when they taught me how to braze, I, I didn't do it. The way that we did it was if we had to put a compressor in, braze suction, suction line on the compressor, braze discharge line on the compressor, change the dryer out, stay bright number eight. If we have to, do you have to change the uh, expansion valve, stay bright number eight. Years later, right, I find out that it's all wrong. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you can see, you, you see pictures online of the difference between not nitrogen brazing and nitrogen brazing and how that carbon builds up in, inside the pipe. Um, I think that... 100%. Yeah, and I, and I think that, I was going to say that I think that with with like R22 systems and mineral oil, it wasn't as big of a deal because there's there's tons of systems out there that I've seen go in without nitrogen brazing and 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 there didn't seem to be any problems for for a long time R20, afterwards R22 right R22 is so R22 is so forgiving it is yeah. wonderful and, 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 and I, I am good and I'm going to miss it R22, yeah it's R22, very it's very easy it's very easy to work with you're right I made a joke on I made a joke uh, on one of the on one of the comment uh, one of the pictures on Instagram that I would wish that they could bring back uh, R you know R22 CR8 units. Yeah, it would it when would first, be it would be, first, it would be cool for sure. Listen, when I first started when I first started coming up, right? We didn't have I have I have a Cooper Red Box which I bought later on, but we didn't have a digital. Nothing was digital. My I think the first digital meter I bought was maybe 90, 93, 94, was a fluke. Don't even ask me what happened to that meter, right? And that was like gold, right? You never let anybody use it. We charged you, so I never charged by, I never charged by, uh, by uh, subcooling on our 22, uh, 22 unit with uh, um, expansion valve. I, how did I do it? Ambient plus 30. We charge it through head pressure, and did we turn over that can and uh, and let liquid into the into the suction line? You damn right we did. Yeah. And you would say, and you're thinking, wow. You're thinking, wow, maybe this guy's a hack. But everybody did it. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it was right. It was like the Wild West back then. Yeah, it was. All, it was all about. It was all about rules of thumb. Now, now everything seems to be a lot more. Scientific, right? Everything's changed. Yeah. Everything, yeah. everything has changed. And, and, uh, and speaking with of the city multis, with the city multis, with the 410A, well, 410A, right, with the polyester oil, it, 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 it picks up so so much um, moisture that you have to use, that you have to you have to have deep vacuums. You yep. have to pull it down 500, uh, 500 microns. I agree with you. 100%. And I was going to say about the POE oil compared to the mineral, the POE oil seems to act like a detergent. And if you don't nitrogen braze, it's going to pick up all that carbon and it's going to wash it and it's going to get caught in your filter dryer very, very quickly or clog up in your TX valve if you don't have that filter dryer close enough to the, the TX valve. Um, 
because I've seen it. I've seen it numerous times where where this this carbon is clogged up right. in the dryer. You take a dryer out of a system, um, like 407C, for instance, the same thing, POE oil. Um, I got some some units at a building, and I, we've had to change the dryers on all of them. And I've actually done like if, I don't know if you've ever used the bar RX11 flush, and we have flushed um, the condenser out. And the amount of black shit that comes out of the condenser you, when you flush with this, I, it's ridiculous. I'm not, I'm not too familiar. With, what do you think of RX11? RX11 flush, the flush stuff. Thumbs, thumbs, thumbs up. I've, u- I've used it about three or four times, and every time I've used it, I've I've gotten a lot of crap out of the system. I make sure I, I yeah. make sure I pull a good vacuum, but. Every every system I've ever put it in has never had an issue afterwards. Knock on wood. See, that's a, that's the thing. I've always used. I always uh, I always flushed out with nitrogen and uh, did the dryer changes mm-hmm. on uh, on burnouts. But the uh, the HH uh, the the oversized liquid line dryer, right? And the HH uh, suction line dryer, and you and you come back and you check the oil and, and filter and uh, filter and filter dryer changes. Yeah. Yeah, I I I've I've had a lot of luck with it so far. I mean, knock on wood. So I think it's a good product and and I I think that if you're doing conversions um from R22 or yeah, from from 22 to like 407C, before you put that POE oil in there, it might be a good idea to flush those lines if you got to reuse the same line set. Cuz we have buildings where right, right. we got buildings that are are old and the line sets run three, four floors and it's all built in. Like you can't, you to, to try to even follow them, you're not going to find them. Um, so if you're changing the condensing unit and the air handler, you're not changing that piping without demoing half the building on your way up. You know what I mean? So you got to reuse that line yeah. set. And, and we've recommended to flush the lines beforehand before we install the new equipment and it's worked out. So, Well, I'm still on a service call, guys, so I thought I'd wrap this up for you while I'm out here just watching this this machine run. It's a uh, 2.1 million BTU suspended unit heater in a warehouse. It's a pretty big piece of machinery, and it was locked out. It seems to be running okay now, but listen, guys, I got to thank Mike for getting on the podcast. What a great guy. What a great conversation that was. And that story about Smokey, man, I've been laughing about that all day. Like, that just cracked me up. Mike, you're awesome. Thanks a lot for getting on the podcast. And thanks again for the nomination for the 40 Under 40 Club. That was super cool of you to do. Guys, I'm out. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Come back for more. There's going to be many more to come over the next few months. Happy HVAC, guys. I'm out.